If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Remember to visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Either way, use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I got a handful of things I want to talk about. The uh, idea that the designated hitter is going to be coming to the National League here very, very soon. I want to talk about some takeaways uh, that I had from Rockies Fan Fest. Uh, particularly, they brought in Kyle Freeland, Trevor Story, David Dahl, and Bud Black for us to talk to. And so I'll give you some of my top line takeaways from that. And then I'll be able to answer any questions uh, that people may have here either on the Facebook Live or the Periscope. Uh, thank you all for joining me today. I do want to begin with the DH in the NL conversation because this is something that I have changed my position on over the years in a number of different ways. And I actually think as kind of a top-line thought here um, that this whole conversation is a good reminder more broadly that things can be very, very nuanced and complicated and putting anything into the category of, say, I'm pro-DH or I'm anti-DH. And I understand if you feel like you're in one of those camps, and and that's not necessarily, um, neither one of those ideologies I think is a wrong ideology. I I don't know that there is such a thing as a wrong ideology. If you're very pro-DH, you're very anti-DH. 
I understand that. But I don't think that saying I'm anti-DH is enough to completely just dismiss and be angry at this idea that it's going to come to the National League. As long as there is a designated hitter in the American League, it is a fact of the matter that National League teams, from a market standpoint, in terms of free agency and trades, are playing at a disadvantage to the American League. And there is a very specific, extremely pertinent example of this on your current Colorado Rockies. His name is Charlie Blackman. He's one of the most important players to ever play for the franchise, and the guy can still rake. Charlie Blackman is one of the 20 best hitters in baseball. So why was there conversation and speculation and some legitimate thought that it might make sense for the Rockies to trade him at last year's deadline? Because his defense is declining and he plays in the National League where there is no DH. If the DH comes to the National League, you suddenly are not a team that's forced into a position not only to have to consider trading one of your best players ever, a guy who does, and I know some fans don't care about this stuff either, but some can, fans very much do, and they belong in the conversation as well, a guy who people buy the jerseys, they come out to the ballpark to sing his song, and they buy the fake beards, he is an institution here, and you shouldn't be forced into a position where you have to trade that guy from a position of weakness because you happen to reside in a league in which basically players aging disgracefully, if I may, um, you're punished more for that in the National League, where there's a smooth transition that you can make in the American League. And if, so it was Jim Bowden, 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 I always, it doesn't matter who it is, that name, and it can be pronounced either way, uh, Colorado Rockies relief pitcher, Ben Bowden, 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 I, I always, you know, so, but this was reported by a former GM and current reporter at CBS. I think he tweeted it out that this could come to the National League as early as 2021. And even if you are the staunchest opponent of the designated hitter, like I used to be, and I could run through all of the reasons with you. Uh, there, there was someone in my mentions the other day just giving me the list of the types of strategy that can get lost in American League Baseball, I do not need to be convinced of that. I could go right down the list with why double switches are interesting, why forcing the manager's hand is interesting, why I similarly don't like the rule where you have to throw to three batters. Let managers strategize the game. I also just kind of fundamentally, I don't know that I would say morally, but I... There's a part of me that believes if you get to stand on the mound and hurl a rock 96 miles an hour in my general vicinity, we should get the opportunity to do that as well. I, there is a, an aspect of it when people come out and tell, say to me, it's not real baseball. Like There's a part of me that totally agrees with you. Uh, but it's as much as I've also to some degree changed some stances on some of that. 
my biggest thing is that it, it just is overwhelmed by this competitive disadvantage that the National League has to play at in terms of building rosters. And particularly, and this is where we get to play a little bit of the the local card here. I wrote this article yesterday. I made it free. So if you haven't subscribed and you're thinking about subscribing, go check it out. It'll give you an example of, of the kind of stuff you get when you do. And I went into some of the reasons why this is going to specifically help the Colorado Rockies. Not just the Charlie Blackman situation. There's stuff like that too. There, there's actually a lot uh, that I just barely touched down on. For example, uh, it's the most offensive friendly ballpark in baseball. We know that. So it would be nice if you could dedicate one roster spot solely to offense uh, and, and that you didn't have to have versatility, where versatility is more valuable to the Rockies right now than it is to any other team. It becomes a little bit less so under this system, which means they can go out and get specialization players, which really help because they play in a specialized environment. So getting a guy who can absolutely bop and you don't have to worry about his defense whatsoever, and then pairing that with a guy who can run around the outfield and go get the baseball and maybe you just don't have to worry too much about whether or not he, he's going to rake um, because he's going to be so valuable to you defensively. There becomes a very interesting dynamic here, but the biggest, far and away most important element, uh, and it, it's... It's going to be overlooked because none of us are scientists and, and, and none of us are personal trainers unless you're listening to this and you're a personal trainer. Uh, but the physical nature of recovering at altitude, going to altitude and sea level, it is a drain on these guys' bodies. I've talked to a lot of them on record about it, Charlie Blackman and Chad Bettis. I've talked to even more of them off record about it because guys don't like to sound like whiners. They don't like to sound like complainers. They're not going to go out and say, you know, it really sucks that we're the only team that physically has to go through this. It is tougher for the Rockies. L let me put it as simply as possible. And this is just true. Uh, if you want to find someone who will find facts that, debate this, bring them to me. But this is simply true. It is tougher for a member of the Colorado Rockies to play at 100% or close to over the course of 162 games than anybody else, which means any day off for a member of the Colorado Rockies is a more valuable thing. Of course, how can you justify taking players like Nolan Arenado or at times Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story out of the game? You're basically forfeiting any particular game. Well, now the Rockies can strategically rest their guys and not have to lose their bat. Just, you know, say, hey, hope the ball doesn't hit, hit that way too many times or we've got a defensive guy that, you know, does, does all right. We can put him in there. But Nolan can get an off day after a 10-game homestand that finishes on a Sunday that's a day game after a night game. And instead of just resting him completely and missing out on one of the best bats in baseball and one of the best clutch hitters of the last 20 years, leave the bat in but take him off his feet for the day. And if they use it that way, I, I, I think that this can be... So while you are absolutely losing 
strategy, I'm not going to argue that you're not. The, the, the strategy employed by managers because of restrictions, because of the limitations, uh, will be lost in this system. But there is also strategy gained. It's game-to-game strategy. Like, I've heard a lot of people talking about, like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, but no, in the Rockies, they'll just make Ian Desmond their DH, or they'll just make Drew Butera their DH. And it's like, one, that's not, other than a handful of teams, unless you've got David Ortiz or Edgar Martinez, unless you've really got one of these just absolute mashers, that's not really how the DH works anymore. Not all the time. Uh, It moves around. You have to use it strategically and game to game to give certain guys days off. And you you can still do certain things with switches inside of games to move somebody into the DH position, make defensive moves. So there's, there is, it's a different kind of strategy, but where there is some lost, there is some game. Of course, I knew, uh, DJ, I knew if I said that there would be somebody who was a personal trainer, right? But again, back me up, back me up, man. Uh, it's it, the, the altitude thing, as much as anything for these guys, there is a physical recovery, a grind, uh, especially in a sport where there are very few days off. And... So this question from C. Jamison is perfect. Say the NL adopts the DH and Charlie becomes DH. What will he do when Nolan or Story need a day? Charlie Blackman can play defense once or twice a week. The guy is not an epic disaster. And if he only has to do it once or twice a week, his legs are going to be a lot fresher. He's going to be a lot better at it. You're going to get the most of him. So on those handful of days, yeah, you say, Charlie, it's been a week and a half. We need you to play right field today. We need you to play left field today, whoever it may be. And, and, you know, it can depend on the the pitcher. Maybe it's a day where there's a real tough lefty on the hill, which is part of the reason why you don't want to take Nolan's bat out of the lineup. But you're maybe okay with the defense out of there. Maybe you've got your best pitcher going. It's Harmen Marquez versus Madison Bumgarner. You're going, well, I'll take Charlie out just for the day. We'll get a right-handed outfielder. Either Hampson or Desmond's going to come in and play today. Uh, but we're going to have Nolan at DH because he needs a day off. Uh, McMahon's been hitting lefties. He can play some third base. And now you're set to go, right? Now, this is, I, I'm doing like for next season. This obviously won't be, but everybody understands. I'm giving an example. I don't need to clarify. You're all smart people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think... <laughs> Thank you all for your for your comments about the the clean shaven. Yeah, I, I <laughs> I've I've definitely gotten rid of the beard, different look. But um, it, I said this the other day on Twitter. I'll kind of close out this conversation here, then answer a couple questions and get into some fan fest stuff. Um, but if it was up to me, I'd get rid of the DH altogether. I want people who are on that side of it to know that. Like, if it was up to me. I don't, I I think pitchers should have to hit. Um, And I do think that there's a potential downside here. I don't want to downplay that like games at Coors Field can already get pretty chaotic. You know, the DH, more pitch counts, more offense. Are we going to go back to the days? My my feeling on that is you get the baseball right, that's not going to happen. It's it's not, it's a handful of at-bats a game uh, that that's going to happen. The 
pluses of keeping guys healthy, including pitchers not getting hit, excuse me, not getting hurt or hit, I suppose, batting, I, I, think, I just think that vastly outweighs the other stuff. And so I've done a total 180 on this. Uh, fundamentally speaking, I would get rid of the DH, but that ship has sailed. It's never going away. And I think it's worth recognizing, you know, as Rockies fans out there, this has the potential to really help get the best out of the team. This could be, and I don't know what I'm going to be following this very specifically for this too. One of the best bits of news about potentially normalizing the road, the hangover effect. I, I, I don't like calling it that because it, it gives the indication that it's the first couple of days of a road trip that are particularly bad for the Rockies, and that's not the way that it works. It's just harder for them to hit on the road, regardless of timing, than any other team in baseball. And part of it, I think, has to do with this physical recovery thing of <clears throat> being at altitude for seven days and then being at sea level for 10 and then coming back. And there's just not... You're not getting the benefits of going to and from altitude. Again, I've talked to the guys a lot about this, and it can really mess them up. So will games at Coors Field go back to, you know, pre-Humidor days? I don't think so. Um, especially, like I said, especially if they just get the baseball right, I think I think you'll be okay there. But let's keep our eyes on it. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing. Let's do a couple of questions before jumping into the Fan Fest. Spencer asks, uh, how does the Mark Tay deal affect us. Uh, bad news for Rockies fans. Uh, Starling Marte is a good baseball player in a vacuum. He's just a good baseball player. Well, not in a vacuum, in a baseball stadium, <laughs> typically. He played the, for the Pittsburgh Pirates for many, many years and oftentimes at an all-star level. Uh, at times, you know, he's not a five-tool player in terms of being elite in all five tools, but he's above average in all five tools. He hits for contact. He's got some pop. He runs really well. His defense has been a little rockier throughout his career, but it plays up when he's playing well. And he rakes at Coors Field. So the fact that he just got traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks is a tough tough break for your Colorado Rockies. There's there's no way around it. Now, I have never been the type of person to give analysis. Like, I just, and there's a ton of it that's going on every offseason right now, you know, but it's just this, like, well, Team X got player this and player that, therefore, they're those two guys better, and Team Y didn't do anything, therefore, they're the same. Like, that is just so completely and incredibly not how it works at all, even a little bit. However, <laughs> uh, there is no way in my mind, unless, you know, Starling Marte, who I don't think has a reputation for being a bad clubhouse guy. I think, you know, he, he, he's had, I, I do think there were a couple of times he bumped heads a bit with uh, Clint Hurdle in Pittsburgh. And I could see him maybe being a little bit of a, a hothead if things aren't going super well, but by no means is Starling Marte uh, a guy that I think is going to go to Arizona and just destroy their clubhouse. Now, do I think he's a player that puts the Diamondbacks over the top and suddenly now they're the team that's, you know, going to be chasing the Dodgers? I, I, I don't know. A lot remains to be seen with that team. I need to take a look, uh, a deeper look at the roster. I'm really unsure about the whole Madison Bumgarner thing. There's a lot of variance there for the Diamondbacks. 
but there's there's no way around this. Not only is Marte a good baseball player who makes them a better baseball team, he's a good baseball player who is routinely, I think he hit like so far in, his, in like 21 games. It's not a small sample size. He's hit like 427 at Coors Field. It, it, it's an insane number. So, um, you know, and of course that, that's going to be difficult to sustain and there's going to be a lot more games a season and then theoretically opportunities for the Rockies pitching to figure them out. And I do think, again, when you just go, oh, well, those guys are going to be better. You're not taking a new guy. I think Rockies pitching is going to be better next year. Like three guys who are already on the team. But I think all of Marquez, Gray, and Freeland are going to be better next season. And so, you know, where does that factor into all of it? Because that's really important to, you know, uh, winning baseball games and stuff. Before I forget, I should mention that taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and that's why our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning and x-ray, or, or cleaning x-ray and exam, all those things. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online, or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. So I wanted to get into a couple of my top line takeaways. I did see a comment up here from Adam about FanFest. Um, I'll make a slight correction. He says, uh, do I have thoughts on Breidich not showing up to FanFest and making his players slash manager take the heat for the Arenado situation? Then he canceled his radio appearance. To me, he is a coward. I think there are a lot of people who felt that way. I'll, I'll make a slight correction here. Jeff Breidich was at FanFest, and in fact, and, and this surprised me a little bit, he was out front shaking hands as people walked into the stadium. Now, he didn't take questions from the media, and neither did Nolan Arenado, by the way. And if it's fair to ask, and it is, why did Kyle Freeland and Trevor Story and David Dahl and Bud Black have to answer questions about this, but Jeff Breidich didn't? I think it's also fair to ask, why not Nolan Arenado? But then I also think it's reasonable to assume that we all know the answer to both of those questions, and that's that there's nothing to be said right now from either of them. They've said what they're going to say, like it or not, and I agree that, like, from a fundamental standpoint, and it wasn't until it was happening, because, again, in my mind, I go, there's no way Breidich and Nolan are going to show up and answer questions, and I don't think that that would do anybody any good. I don't think you take uh, an event that's about the fans coming out and having fun and playing silly games with ball players and just enjoying being at the field and buying some merch and going and hanging out in the dugout. You don't take a day like that and make it about this. Both of them are going to answer questions from us at some point. I think the place to do that is probably down at spring training, either you know on media day or 
as pitchers and catchers report around in that time. I, I do think it's fair to say there's a time and a place for that. It is unfortunate. Like, on a cosmic level, I agree. It's, like, oddly unfair to make Freeland and, and Story and Black and Doll answer those questions, but what else were they going to do? Not bring anyone to talk to us? And I'll also say this. I think all those guys did really well. Uh, Bud Black, I think it's fair. You know, I, I think it's fair for him to come out and talk a little bit about it. He is a part of the leadership apparatus of the organization. And I think, you know, he did a pretty good job of turning the focus to the field. I'm not sure that the best strategy here really is let's just move forward and kind of pretend like nothing happened. But again, it's in a pragmatic world. I'm not sure that there is a good strategy. There isn't a right answer to the, to this question. If Nolan Arenado and, and Jeff Breidich show up at FanFest, like, and are still mad at each other and are still sniping through the media, but not to each other, or they get in some kind of altercation, or they pretend like everything's fine, and then that's even weirder. Like, I'm not sure there was anything to be gained by them being there. <clears throat> Other than this sort of co solving this problem of the, the, the cosmic unfairness of these other people having to talk about it when it's really not their thing. I'll say this, and I did ask a question about it. So we don't have to ask them. We really don't. There's nobody, you know, in a room, in the room with a cattle prod saying, make sure you ask them about Nolan. No, it's something everyone's thinking about. It's something everyone's talking about. So I don't think it's unfair for reporters to ask questions about it. And I did ask a follow-up. I asked Bud Black specifically if he could uh, draw on some experience in his past uh, of, of off-field issues, maybe you know becoming a distraction, but then his, his team getting through it. And he sort of just made the appeal to the, the tight bond of players and, and how close the group is and how strong he thinks they'll be and that they don't really... you know, talk too much about this off-field stuff. And, you know, I thought Trevor's story maybe had the quote of the day. If you're looking for a silver lining, if you're out there looking for just... Um, and, and here Adam says, I just want to get to spring training with Nolan on this roster and hear him say, it is time to focus on baseball now. I am a Rocky and I'm ready to play. From there, you know, just hope they're good. And it's the most important year in Rockies history. And you know what, Adam? You and I don't often see exactly precisely eye to eye, but here we do. I think it's that's right. And I think Nolan will say something exactly like that. I mean, he, he basically released a statement similar to that not too long ago. I'm sure he'll reiterate that. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there will be some sort of similar sen sentiment that comes from Breidich, whether people hear it or believe it. Uh, whatever it may be, 
I do think that that's going to be the the general sense. Look, we're focusing on baseball. Um, but Trevor's story, trying to play peacemaker. So again, if you're looking for your silver lining, I'm not, I, I, this is my interpretation of him trying to play, play peacemaker. He was asked about it and, and he was really saying, you know, <clears throat> Nolan's my guy. Uh, you know, I understand a certain level of frustration, but he also said, you know, I understand everyone's level of frustration. And again, in my view, quote of the day, everyone involved is trying to win. And I know some people don't believe that about Jeff Breidich. And I am not, and I have not. I'm not going to defend the situation he's gotten himself into with Nolan, and I, I haven't. I'm not going to do that. But I have argued many times before, and this doesn't change because of a big blow-up. It doesn't change because... People are rightfully mad, and because in my view, he really stepped in it here. It is still the case that Jeff Breidich wants to win baseball games, that he's thinking that he's doing what it takes and what is right to make that happen. Even though almost the entire world disagrees with him and his method for doing it, He's sticking by his belief and his core principle. But Trevor's story is right. Everyone involved wants to win. And, you know, I, we had our guy A.J. Hayfley on the pod a few days ago. And he really wasn't buying my, you know, maybe the team will galvanize just to quiet the haters or sort of win for each other, but maybe in spite of other people in the organization they don't like. And he just really wasn't buying it. And I think it's 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 not even that. I don't see this t- I don't I do not see this group of competitors, this group of athletes, as led by Bud Black, and quite frankly, an extraordinarily motivated Nolan. What are the odds you think Nolan Arenado is going to come out and hit 200 to start the year? I just don't. And if Nolan comes out on fire, the team's going to play well. Whether you call it galvanizing or not, see, Jamison writes, Nolan's going to play pissed, hit like 370 for the first three months. Yeah. That seems like a pretty likely outcome to me. Trevor Story is now basically playing for his next contract and coming into his physical prime and also, in a weird way, motivated to play for his guy. Well, there's your two best players. They start hot. All of a sudden, you get a little bit of pitching. Whoa, what? Is it a good baseball team? Maybe it always was a good baseball team. Maybe Nolan goes... Now, fans won't, but maybe Nolan does go. Maybe Jeff knew what he was doing. Wish he'd... Maybe been a little more, quote-unquote, respectful about it. But maybe in terms of counting on internal improvement, he was right. I don't know. Sam, yeah, my in spite of theory does sound a little bit like Major League, right? And I do think, and Bud Black said this basically, I, I think ball players play for each other and themselves and, and it was interesting because AJ said, you know, I think they're all going to start stat hunting. Stat hunting in baseball is like the one sport where that's okay. 
especially now in this age where you know everybody hates the the sack bunt and and all that stuff it's like fine if, if everyone's just going out there trying to rake and put up their own numbers like that actually took bodes really well for the season you, you win games when guys do that here you go and you know adam if i may editorialize a bit on your behalf i i'd say you're one of the fans who tends to get you know pretty frustrated when the team loses and and doesn't make moves and, and doesn't do these things. So I think the sentiment coming from you and through that lens is really important. So I want to read it. He says, as much as I am upset with him, I am willing to forgive Jeff Breidich for all of this because I am a Rockies fan. I just want to win. And just like Trev said, and we all want to win with Nolan. There is a chance they pull this thing off and I'm going to write a book about it. I promise you. There is a chance... And I don't think it's an especially slim one that the Colorado Rockies start well. 14-5 and five out of the gate. Now Nolan feels good. I promise you Nolan feels good. He's, he's an emotional guy. He's a guy of the moment. He loves to win. You put that much winning in front of him, he's winning with his buddies. People are starting to feel good. The pitching is starting to feel good. You're building some confidence. People are coming out to the ballpark, even though the owner didn't think anybody was going to come out to the ballpark. Now they're in a position where, hey, some of these young guys are playing well. We've got too many of them. Can afford to trade one of them. Get a little bit of that extra pitching help. You get Now all of a sudden you've got the missing piece and you're taken off. Boom. Now you've made a move. Nolan's happy. You finally went out and did something that helped. If that guy plays well... You may have saved the whole situation. I mean, it now, that was a lot of ifs I just ran through. But that's how you salvage this thing. Winning does cure it all. And yeah, do they? are they in a tough spot? It's extraordinary. This is the most pressure the Colorado Rockies have ever been under to win baseball games. And some of the lowest expectation they've ever had that they will, which is fascinating to me because when you go down the roster, it's a pretty solid club. Of course, you have to take into consideration all of the drama that's gone on. But when you just look at the roster, there was another interesting thing at FanFest when David Dahl said, you know, I got to play the whole season and I think we can do what we need to do. I thought it was both fascinating and pretty damn mature that he recognized his own importance to the competitiveness of the team and that a lot of it amounted to because he typically you know and i understand why he doesn't like to talk about it i wouldn't like to talk about it he doesn't like to bring up the injury stuff but he basically said i don't get hurt we're gonna be good i kind of love that and and kyle said the same thing and i really do think that those two guys with some bullpen things, obviously. I mean, baseball teams are big, messy things. We all know this. And Annika's right. There's the ball issue, too. And this is the thing that, like, if I do end up writing the book about how, as it turned out, 2019 was the outlier season, and this version of the Rockies was really good, and it almost completely exploded, and then the right thing it turned out was to not do anything and keep everyone together and just hold your breath. The team comes out and wins. The first thing, the like the pro prologue chapter in the book, Annika, will be 
about the baseballs because I don't know. I this is why we have to wait to find out. But I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And I've also just got a feeling in my gut. And I don't use that very often. You guys know I don't go there. I try not to give you a feeling in my gut analysis. The baseball had as, had, how do I want to, had a lot more to do with the Rocky struggles in 2019 than I think most people realize. And I, I don't know what has changed there for sure. And this is one of those really tricky things because not a lot of people want to go on record about it. Again, I, I think, you know, people don't like being dismissed as excuse makers in competitive sports. And when you're saying, man, this baseball sounds like you're making excuses. And, and people have accused me of using the baseball as an excuse or Coors Field as an excuse. The ballpark's not going anywhere. But they released a damn study about the baseballs. So, if that gets fixed, suddenly the young staff can take off a bit. The game of baseball is normalized. Here's the, here's the word of the day I haven't used that I should have used throughout all of these conversations. Everyone ready for your word of the day? Chaos. This is about chaos. The Colorado Rockies, for the vast majority of their existence, have been chaos. They haven't been the worst team in baseball. I see that every once in a while. The Rockies have been bottom dwellers. No, they haven't. That's actually not true. They've been up and down. They've had some really bad seasons, but I don't think they've ever finished with the absolute worst record in baseball in a single season of their existence, and they've never lost 100 games. But they've just had these... When they win, it seems to come out of absolute nowhere. 2007 and 2009. In 09, they were terrible at the beginning of the season, had to fire their manager, then had one of the hottest finishes, in the, you know, those hot finishes, 07, 09. People now tell you 17 and 18 were good luck because the peripherals tell you the Rockies never should have been there. It's always weird. It's up and down. It's back and forth. It's chaotic. One of the things they did when they brought in the humidor was to cut down on some of that chaos. And they finally started to figure out how to build inside of their more normalized environment. And it took them a very long time. And I think they started to figure it out around 2013, particularly when they brought in Mark Wiley to oversee the pitching operations. And a lot of stuff started to change. And we saw the fruits of that labor with steady improvement in 2016, 2017 and 2018, resulting in a 91-win campaign, the second best in the history of the franchise, a win in the wild card game at Chicago in Wrigley, and yes, then an unceremonious sweep out of the NLDS. But the environment was beginning to normalize. And last year was as chaotic as it can be. On the other hand, to hope that none of this off-season stuff will create chaos. But that's what's so interesting is it's like it's a group of men, of people, 
who I don't think are going to let what has been said between and about and by Jeff Breidich and Nolan Arenado get in the way of the way they play baseball as individuals. And so... If they can get past it, if it's not this giant weight around their neck, and it may well be, there's a really weird thing that can happen. And the ramifications of this would be far-reaching. And imp- just like I said out the other day, I said if the Colorado Rockies are just a competitive baseball team in 2020, like the multiverse might fold in on itself. Red Lake... The standard thinking suggests they have to be bad. Because if they're good, then was Jeff Breidich right about how to build the team? And if so, does that mean they should keep him? And if not, does that mean that they go out and get a wheeling and dealing guy who blows up a team that now has suddenly been competitive three out of four years now you're, now you're going, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Now you're going to get somebody else to come in and run. If you're if they get back into the postseason in 2020, it's going to be tough to make the argument that they should fire their GM, which doesn't necessarily mean that he hasn't done things that have been fireable offenses throughout his It's It's going to get crazy. I promise you it's going to get crazy. And they're going to be, what's going to be really, like, there's going to be Rockies fans rooting against their own team because of this specifically. And I'll actually understand it for the first time in my life. Um, I've almost never understood rooting against your team. But there is this weird, like, if they perform well, (laughs) it kind of renders a lot of this moot. And that's weird. It's fundamentally weird. So, I hope, in fact, I know everybody out there is drinking Breck Brew, but we've got to introduce you to the Mile High City Breck Beer. Brand new beer they got going on. I got to tell you, I am a big fan of this thing. First of all, I love the can. It's a shout out to the Denver Nuggets. It's a crossover between them and Breckenridge Brewery. It's a super dope looking can. If I had one here in front of me, I'd I'd show it to you guys on the live, but you got to check it out. Uh, It's a callback to those Mile High City jerseys. It looks really, really cool. But you're not looking at your beer. You are drinking your beer. Now, the the copper lager is what it is. And if you're a lager drinker, but you're sometimes like, you know, it's a little bit too light. I got to, you know, if you're like me, hey, no one's judging you. You I got to drink two or three of these Tecates or a Corona or something like that. You go, no, 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 no. Get one of these. I'm telling you, if you're... If on the whole lager situation, the copper lager from Breckenridge Brew is the tastiest lager. It's got flavor in it. It doesn't feel like you're drinking just, you know, kind of a watered down beer. It's really, really good. I cannot recommend it enough. Check out the Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brew. I promise you're going to enjoy it. And then you're going to have like a piece of art 
that you can basically just hang up on your wall. You can cover your wall in the cans. The, the, the box looks cool. The color of blue is just, it, it just, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm obviously very, very taken by the artwork done on the can, but uh, great stuff from our uh, friends here at Breckenridge Brew. Um, Okay, so Juan Miguel just asked a question here about my thoughts on the passing of Kobe Bryant. And I don't want to do too much of that here for two reasons, basically. One is because um, we did a, a special edition of the Denver Sports Podcast and posted it last night. And I went pretty in-depth about my my thoughts and feelings and all of that there. And I'm not sure I could, I would be able to rehash or, or honestly say it better than I did. It, I, I was, I was happy with what I said and, and I'd kind of like to leave it at that. And I, and I do, you know, want to make sure that this podcast to, to use a kind of a send uh, phrase stays in its lane a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll make a brief statement here because everyone here is in the sports family. And, and of course it was just this insane thing that happened and really shook everybody. And it shook me too. Um, of course it did. And, and I sent out you know, the one thing and I, I tell the story on the other pod and, and I wanted to share this sentiment because I think a lot of people out here may have been feeling the same. And that was, you know, I, as a competitor, I rooted for, Kobe Bryant to lose every single baseball or baseball, excuse me. See, I'm on the wrong pocket. Every single basketball game he ever played in. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't stand the guy, but it's, uh, you always respected him and what he was able to do in the game and the way he was able to become an ambassador for the game, particularly for, women's basketball and you know I on the other part I, I share my thoughts on some of the complications and imperfections of Kobe Bryant so if you want to hear my thoughts on that go check that out but obviously just a horrible tragedy uh, where nine people died and and so you know we we just have to send out our our thoughts and prayers and and be you know, cognizant of of every day and Hug a loved one, kiss a loved one, kiss a loved one. Tell tell them you love them. It's never a bad time to tell somebody that you love them, um, and that's uh, yeah. It's always a, a lesson that can be learned the hard way. So let's. Uh, there, there's no segue. There, there, there's no artful way to jump back into talking about baseball, and uh, I'm just gonna have to do it here. Uh, Adam says, uh, dude, you get me through being a Rockies fan, which is so stressful. I'm trying to be more positive about them. Thanks for the responses. Hope we can agree on more things this season. It's always easier to agree on things when the team is winning and, and playing well. So we'll see how things come out. See, Jameson wants to know, do I think the Rockies are still going to sign Lucroy? Well, that's, and, and these are the kinds of things that change the dynamic, right? So like, and, and I haven't gotten this yet. Uh, anybody trying to give me the I told you so because I had been generally on the side of this Nolan Arenado story isn't going to be a problem. Of course, I didn't see this happening. But I, of course, wasn't ever on the side of this Nolan Arenado thing isn't going to be a problem. I was on the side of Nolan Arenado's not going to get traded. And he's not. <laughs> not going to get traded, is he? 
Not right now, anyway. Not before the season. If things go really bad, all cards on the table. But that's, again, why I kind of said in the, the DH conversation, it's not... It was never a I'm Team Nolan or I'm Team Breidich or I think everything with this Nolan situation is fine or I think he's definitely going to get traded. I'm pro-DH, I'm anti-DH. There's always more nuance to it than that. And so, you know, I think that it's going to be tough to sign Jonathan Lucroy now. You're going to sign up to join this circus right now? I mean, if he does... That would be an interesting sign. That would be sort of a, it would be a very calming thing, honestly, if they were able to pull that off. Uh, also, it, it would stop people from being able to say that Jeff Breidich just spent $0 on MLB free agents, um, assuming he signs to a major league deal. At this point, Luke Roy might even be signing on a, a minor league deal. Trewartha says, you convinced me on replays and auto strike zones, but I hope you don't change my mind on the DH. I hope I don't change your mind on the DH too. I don't want to change anyone's mind on the DH. I hope you tell your kids or your friends' kids or whoever you talk to about baseball, the next generation, um, not the Star Trek, um, all about the days when pitchers had to hit. I hope you tell them about that time Bartolo Colon went yard and what Herman Marquez did the year he won the Silver Slugger. Um, tell them all about this stuff. Don't ever give up on your dream that the DH is a bad thing. Uh, but I will have to keep banging the drum, especially if it unfolds this way. You know, and this won't be for a couple of years now, so I'm going to be able to leave it alone. I can't imagine we'll have another conversation like this for a little while. But particularly, you know, if if we're looking at, I guess if it, it comes into play in 2021, and that season immediately the Rockies just are a much better, say, hitting team on the road. And then in 2022, they're a much better hitting team on the road. I'm going to have a really hard time not coming to the conclusion that the introduction of the DH into the NL was a huge factor in normalizing the Rockies' margin of error, which is what I prefer to call it rather than the hangover effect, right? That that whole problem. I really think it could be. Might be it might just be about legs team wide. Maybe not. I could be wrong. I've been wrong a couple of times. So, all right. I think I will log off of this one here. I do have a few other things I want to get into, but we've gone a pretty decent length. So I will log off here. NK Geyer, you're dope. And no, thank you. Uh, and, and and yeah, the, the, the hat is fun, right? Got an abs hat. I finally got some avalanche swag. So having a good time. Uh, it's been weird. I'm not, I, I haven't watched any of the all-star stuff yet, but gonna do some hockey things. I'm gonna write a couple more hockey things, but we're basically back on uh, the baseball beat. Hopefully you read thing about the DH. Hopefully you read my Game of Thrones. The Rockies offseason has been like the Red Wedding article. Uh, the Rockies put into their media clips, by the way. They're, they're not like totally hiding from it. This has all just been very, very strange, but um, 
it hasn't been uninteresting anymore, <laughs> has it? Uh, and I will be down there at spring training starting March 1st. I might, I'll probably just fly down from media day and fly back. We'll see how that works um, because that's going to be interesting. But yeah, just make sure you're following us on all the social media so you don't miss any of that. Make sure you subscribe to dnvr.com. We're going to have all kinds of good exclusive stuff coming your way over the next couple of weeks leading up to spring training. And I'm going to have a lot of guests on this podcast leading up to spring training. So make sure you're subscribed for all of that. Gotta thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. All right, bonus question because I signed off already, but I saw Matt, you came in with um oh the Castellanos two-tiered opt-out thing. I need to I need to read into that. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.